Hi, I'm Sarah Chair from Bond Supermart. Welcome to another episode of our podcast series where we share with you about newborn issues and hold discussions on the fixed income market. As we wrap up 2020 and look forward with the lessons that we've learned, we want to talk about a type of bond that is well affiliated with the single most impactful thing that has happened last year, coronavirus bonds. So today, we've invited Jackson Chan, fixed income analyst from the Bond Supermart team at IFAS Hong Kong to chat more with us on this topic. Hi, Sarah. This is Jackson. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Good to see you again, Jackson. So the past year has led to the development of many unprecedented events. And at this point, I really hate the word unprecedented, but unfortunately, that's just the truth. So one of the developments of the past year has been coronavirus bonds. If you Google it, chances are you're going to see some articles on it here and there. You know, you're probably going to find some news about some banks and some companies issuing it. But so far, and what I struggle with is trying to find a firm definition on what this really is. So Jackson, could you give us your definition of a coronavirus bond and you know what it really constitutes? Sure. Actually, what you're talking about is a type of bond that uh, is issued by the public institution or private corporates to raise capital to facilitate several coronavirus-related activities. So by definition, they share the same characteristic of common bonds, but there should be some limitation on the use of the proceeds. Uh, there are some similar products in the market, such as the Islamic bonds and the green bonds. But currently, there isn't an official name for this type of coronavirus bond, and some countries named them the anti-epidemic bonds. Uh, but please don't mix it up with the pandemic bond, because the latter is raised by uh, is a concept raised by the World Bank president Jim Yong Kim during the 2015 Ebola outbreak. So this type of bond is directly issued by the World Bank, and it is more like an insurance scheme, which uh, the bond will lose its principal when certain criteria of a health crisis is met, and the money will be paid out by the World Bank to the countries in need. So just to be clear, the anti-epidemic bonds, they don't lose their principal when the criteria of a health crisis is met, right? Yes, you're right. Actually, they're like common bonds, which will only default if the issuers cannot pay back. Right, okay, yeah, that's uh, that's very important to know. Um, so just to make sure that we're getting the difference between these anti-epidemic bonds and the pandemic bonds, right? Um, so pandemic bonds can essentially only be issued by the World Bank, and um, these anti-epidemic bonds are the ones that can be issued by um, anyone else, so be it like your government or private institutions, in response to an epidemic, like, for example, coronavirus, SARS, Ebola, etc.? Uh, you are mostly correct, but I would say only the World Bank has issued the pandemic bonds before, so I cannot say whether or not there will be other institutions to issue another batch of this kind of coronavirus bond in the future. Right, and so essentially, um, these coronavirus bonds are just one type of these anti-epidemic bonds, right? Uh, by definition, yes, because it is targeted for COVID-19 only. Right, okay. So the thing about these is that um, there is such a wide range of things, and I use things because it's such a wide range, essentially, that, um, that the COVID bond can cover. But typically, is there any classification of these coronavirus bonds? 
yes, actually, in general, uh, the company which requires capital to directly fight the pandemic, uh, such as some uh, medical companies, they aimed it to develop COVID vaccine and require money for some R&D in the medicine, they will issue this kind of bonds. Uh, but however, this concept can also extend to other industry because the definition itself is quite ambiguous and there is no clear guidelines up about who can issue this anti-epidemic bonds. And therefore, uh, depends on which countries. Uh, actually, there are lots of other corporates in different sectors are permitted by the government to use the name to fight the pandemic to and also issue this kind of coronavirus bonds. So typically, who has been issuing or raising these bonds? Generally speaking, uh, we think that uh, for those institutions and companies which directly raise funds to develop vaccines should issue these bonds. But however, uh, we saw uh, what is happening out there is uh, that it actually is quite rare for a private company to issue these COVID bonds. Uh, one a close example is that uh, back in March 2020, Pfizer has issued a 10-year sustainability bond with about 1.25 billion US dollars. However, the proceeds from the bond is used to enhance the company's environmental impact as well as strengthen the healthcare system. While developing COVID vaccine it does not play a major role. Uh, on the other hand, more, most of the issuers are some public institutions and banks which would like to use the money to help finance some small and medium-sized business that are struggling in the outbreak. So, for example, uh, the International Bank for uh, Reconstruction and Development, which is uh, uh, the Bank of America, and also the Japan uh, UFJ Financial Group are some notable names to have issued those bonds. And in China, uh, there was a, a wide variety of these bonds, and many private corporates are also eligible for issuance. And those issuers uh, came from different sectors, such as public utility, uh, energy, transportation, and even real estate. So were there similar bonds for SARS, uh, Zika, the avian flu, and the like? Or is this sort of anti-epidemic bond the first of its kind? Uh, as I said, uh, since it's very hard to define to, uh, what constitutes an anti-epidemic bond, so I would say it's very difficult to talk about its origin. Uh, but I believe that some companies have issued the bonds before for the sake of fighting some widespreading epidemic. Right, Jackson, do you also know, um, by any chance, who was the first to actually start issuing um, this coronavirus bond? Uh, in my point of view, I do believe China was the earliest country to raise out this concept of coronavirus bond. So the government has granted the permission for corporates to raise capital since early February uh, 2020. So the first batch of issuers include uh, both SOE and some private corporates from different sectors, uh, especially the ones in Wuhan. And where the co uh, which is the places that the COVID situation was most dreadful. At that time, I see. And um, does China have the greatest share of these um issuances? Uh, according to some research, uh, there was over six hundred uh anti-epidemic bonds were issued uh, as of September two thousand twenty. So, with a total size of around seventy billion US dollars. So, uh, in terms of sector, uh, actually, it's quite diversified. But among them are uh, so the LGFVs, uh, which is the uh, local government financing vehicles, they are, uh, which are directly owned by the uh, governments. Uh, this kind of corporates have contributed the most significant amount. And they used the proceeds 
on several projects such as uh, local hospital construction, uh, medical material procurement, and also the COVID outbreak prevention and some disin- disinfection projects. Oh, really? So apart from acquiring um, this sort of emergency cash, do you see any other advantages uh, for these firms in issuing these bonds? Uh, yes. Uh, actually, we thought that most of these bonds have enjoyed a lower issuing cost compared to the company's existing bonds. So and, uh, in addition, uh, since the bonds make use of the fighting coronavirus as a label, they are easier and quicker to get the approval from the regulating party, which makes those issuers more keen on applying the permission to issue this coronavirus bond. And how much lower is the issuance cost? I mean, is it also partially due to the fact, though, that we're looking at an overall low interest rate environment now? Uh, Actually, in China, uh, the interest rate environment does not drop a lot compared to the U.S., uh, but the liquidity injection from the government was quite quite huge uh, during that period, and which may help lowering the, the cost of issue. Uh, however, the cost varies case by case, and it, and it actually depends on the issuer's credit. Take an example, uh, the Export-Import Bank of China, which is a policy bank with, uh, with an A-plus credit rating, has issued a one-year COVID bond, which has about 30 bips lower than the yield in the secondary market. Right. Jackson, I'm also just thinking, you know, there are some governments and central banks who have come out to specifically encourage the issuance of coronavirus bonds. But beyond the direction from the governments and central banks, right, do you feel that perhaps there may be some cultural or moral ties for these coronavirus investors? Well, uh, I think it is quite hard to say. But I do believe that the primary goal for most businesses is to maximize their profit. However, if a company is able to achieve capital gain at the same time to fulfill the ESG goals, as well as showing the others that the company is paying efforts to uh, improve the society, I think it is not a bad move to do so. Uh, with that said, uh, most companies which are eligible to issue this coronavirus bonds are not struggling businesses. Uh, most of them are some large corporations which have healthy credit or strong background. Uh, and the default risks are quite manageable indeed. And on the other hand, the investment returns of this coronavirus bond are just slightly lower than other common bonds. So it is actually quite reasonable for those investors, uh, such as the asset manager and banks, to put their money into this special instrument. Right. Do you think that perhaps you know the labeling of something as a coronavirus bond could potentially affect the subscription rate of it uh, negatively or positively? Like, I mean, it could go either way, right? <laughs> yes, uh, I would say that uh, theoretically, uh, it should be neutral uh, because uh, uh, let's get back to the basic. Uh, the bonds issuance, uh, actually these bonds just share the same characteristic of a common bonds and they do not have more collateral or higher senior- seniority uh, comparatively. So the subscription should be really based on their returns. Uh, however, uh, some people may argue that these bonds are able to meet some investment mandate on fulfilling the certain ESG requirements so that it will increase the demands. And according to the uh, issuance in China, we do see that the bonds are very popular in the market and probably because this uh, investment can demonstrate the support towards the government's guidance and also the general directions. So it turns out that uh, these bonds have higher subscription rates. Oh, wow, it's quite interesting to see that uh, and also to hear 
that you know um, what kind of bonds you purchase can show your support for different things. Um, but I think that you know perhaps some other investors may feel a bit skeptical about coronavirus bonds, in the same way that. Um, many people or many of us actually are often skeptical about things that offer this do-good sort of feel. So in this case, is there any way for us to really ensure that the proceeds of these coronavirus bonds really go towards the causes that they say they will? Uh, sorry to say that, but I think no. Uh, since there is no clear definition regarding the classification of these coronavirus bonds, uh, there is very little limitation on how the company actually uses this money. <clears throat> so even in China, uh, the regulations only require at least 10% of the proceeds uh, used on COVID-related activities. And therefore, the funds may go towards relief effort, but there is very difficult to track their ultimate use. So how does that work in China? I mean, in making sure that at least 10% of the proceeds are used for you know, these COVID-related items? Actually, these issuers just need to declare how they use the proceeds beforehand, including how much are used on fighting COVID. But I don't think the authority is going to track the use of proceeds afterwards. Right. Um, so essentially, what I can infer from this is that there isn't really a set criteria for issuers to issue a coronavirus bond. Would that be right? Uh, yes, but however, uh, whether or not the applicant is eligible to issue the bond, uh, it is still subject to the approval from the authority. And so just to confirm, there isn't any real sort of um, preset guidelines to ensure that the monies go towards it. I guess, you know, ensuring that would be very heavily dependent on corporate governance itself? Yes, you're right. All right, okay then. Um, so Jackson, before we go, last question. Do you find these coronavirus bonds attractive for investors? Well, actually, in my own perspective, I think for the individual investor, I, uh, these coronavirus bonds are not very attractive. Uh, but for co corporate investors or fund managers, they may have more interest in it because uh, this coronavirus bond may be able to let them to fulfill their uh, investment mandate. I see. All right, then. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jackson. I learned a lot about coronavirus bonds. Um, for me, I think the highlight was really understanding the difference between, you know, this anti-epidemic bond and this pandemic bond. It has helped me see this whole new categorization in a very different light. So thank you once again. Me too. Thanks for having me. And that's my pleasure to be here. And I hope that uh, the information I provided is useful for you. This episode was brought to you by Bond Supermart. I'm Sarah Chia, and our guest speaker with us today is Jackson Chan, fixed income analyst with the Bond Supermart team at IFAS Hong Kong. Follow Bond Supermart on Twitter, Facebook, and Telegram to get first-hand updates on new bond issues, credit updates, and special events. For bond information and articles, visit our website, bondsupermart.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.